Amen. All right. So we're in this series, and the series is called We Have a Plan. And since we're just kind of walking through and figuring out how do we have a plan for all the topics that interest us the most in parenting. So we've kind of been on a journey, and this is kind of where we've been. And tonight it's about having a plan for developing character, uh, character in our kids. Vitally important. As the world gets darker, character and in, in the light is much more important, especially godly character, than it ever has been. So thankful that you're here. Thank you. Now let me ask you, did you guys talk a little bit? When you think of the word character, what do you think of? Now I'm going to write some things down here. What do you think of when you hear the word character? What comes to mind? Okay, who you are. Thank you. It's who you are. Great. What else? All right, what you do when nobody's looking. It's almost like this one, right? Who you are when no one's looking, right? I like that. I'm just piggybacking off of the book, like having read it today. Yes. The heart of a person. Okay, yeah, the heart. That's right, yeah. Well, it sure does. Our character is kind of revealed um, through our actions that it comes from our heart, right? Your belief. Beliefs, that's right. That's right. Your character, driven by your beliefs a lot of times, right, Miguel? Yeah, I like that. Good, good. Anybody else? When you think of the word character, what do you think of? I behavior. Behavior, thank you. Yep. Yeah, if... Um, if you were witnessing some teenage boys doing some bad behavior, you might assume uh, there's some bad character behind those behaviors, right? Yep. Okay. Fantastic. All right, so next one. Um, you, we heard one. How about anybody else got a fun definition or a good definition of character? We heard one, who you are, you know, when no one's looking. Anybody else heard a, a, a definition of character they want to share? Maybe it's somebody, youth, something a youth pastor taught you or something you read in a book about character. Well, I brought a few, and I've got them on your paper there if you want to fill some in. Um, here's a few of my favorites. How about this one? It looks like this. It says this, a person of character is marked by notable and attractive traits. Notable and attractive traits. Um, so you can fill that in if you'd like to. Um, so question, uh, how do you like that? What, what, what do you like about that quote? Anybody agree with that? You like it? Something you like about that? I like that it says attractive, but character does, isn't always attractive. That's exactly right, yes. <laughs> hey, so, so, so uh, it's marked by visible and attractive traits. I mean, our character is seen by others, right? Sure. All right, how about this one? Um, Character is doing right, doing right, no matter what the cost or consequences are. What do you like about that quote? Tell me something you like about that one. Like being, honest. being honest, yeah. It's like, hey, no matter what, no matter what the cost, I, I want to be honest. I want to be right in this matter, right? Yeah. So it sounds like uh, integrity. Integrity, yes, I love it. That's right. Yeah. How about this one? Character is choosing the harder right instead of the easier wrong. Can you think of scenarios where it would just be easy to do the, the wrong thing and be a little easier than go back and do the right thing? A lot of times, right? Of course. 
Anybody like something specific about this? By the way, these are things you could write on your fridge um, and put on the fridge there and let the kids see it and talk about it. There you go. Okay, good. We, yeah. We can That's right, Audrey. It is a choice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I, we try to tell our boys when they're on the line, we try to say you can choose the consequence. Yes. When, so that we're not the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You can do the right thing and choose the blessing or do the wrong thing and choose the consequence. There you go. So like Goes back to choice, it doesn't them it? The power. It does. That's right. Yep. And, and the Lord's put us in charge of our choices, right? He didn't make us robots. Um, he gave us a chance to follow Him, read His Word, and obey Him. Hey, one more. How about this one? Uh, character is who you are when no one but God is looking, okay? What do you like about this quote? Something about this you like? Actually, I like it. I agree. I love that. Yeah, if he if he's the main one we're concerned about, then we're gonna do we're gonna be right knowing that he's always looking, right? No one else might be who he is. Love it. Thank you. Well, tonight is about this. It's about us walking out of here in about an hour or so, knowing that we've got a plan for developing character in our kids' lives. Um, so really excited about it. Now, interesting, a study was done a while back, several years back, to determine what type of people do these type of things. What type of people falsify tax returns, bribe, shift blame, steal, obey certain laws but not other laws? And they ask all kinds of questions about these people. One of the questions they asked was, tell us about your religious affiliation. Uh-oh. Okay. And what it did was it outed, okay, some Christians because what they found was that Christians are as likely as non-Christians um, to be caught up in some of these things. And so knowing that uh, makes us realize how important our role is as parents because as parents, you know, we're always being watched, right? Um, God's looking, but there's other people who are looking also, right? And they hear, they see, they listen. They probably listen more than we think they do. Um, but there's a great, there's a, there's a great truth uh, to parenting, and that is more is caught than taught. And um, that's powerful, but it also means that their eyes are always on us. So how we live out our character is also vitally important. It's always on display. Our character is always on display with our kids. Now, the good thing is God's given us our kids for 18 years. And and what is this? This is a greenhouse, right? Greenhouse. And what happens in a greenhouse? What happens to these flowers? What are they doing in there? They're growing. They're flourishing, right? They've got all the right things to grow well. Our house should be the same thing. God's given us these kids, and our house is right there uh, to really help shape their character so they can flourish under our care. Now, speaking of this and flourishing, on the back of your paper, um, we've just given you the top 50 character qualities 
the top 50. And so as you think about this greenhouse your kids are in, these 50 that you've got on the back of your sheet, those can grow over the 18 years your child's alive. And so you can take those, and as you begin, just a funnel exercise you could do if you'd like to, um, that you, you can work through as you see them live these out, you can praise them and just identify that they're doing a great job. And remember, um, their receptivity to your teaching has a timeline, okay? It's got an expiration date on it in a sense. We've shown this before. just want to come back to it since we all had spring break last week. Just a refresher. Uh, this graph shows how receptive your kids are to your teaching as they grow. So zero to six, as their minds are developing, so is their ears listening to what you're saying. And they're open to your ideas, your thoughts, your beliefs, your values. They're taking it all in. You're putting your imprint um, on their life. Every part of you is being imprinted on their little eyes and ears as they watch you. And their receptivity, it peaks about that 9, 10, 11-year-old range. So that idea that, man, they're going to they're gonna listen the most um, during that 9, 10, 11-year-old year. This is great. I got a 10-year-old, love that age. And I realize I'm wide aware that he's right, right here. Because after this point, he begins to go into middle school. He'll be in the upper school next year. So he's going to middle school next year. Other influences will come in, things like that. It'll move from imprint to impression where I'm talking to him to at certain one point, He'll have so many other influences in his life, other teachers or coaches or friends, um, that I'm just literally side by side with him as we go. That's how it works. Now, the problem is all of you and us, we're the busiest we could possibly be during this time, okay? So when they need us the most and are most receptive is when we're often the most busy. So we've got to figure out as parents, how do we carve out time to be really intentional and help them develop the character that they're wanting? So... Um, before I bring up our first speaker tonight, I just want to share with you where we get the idea of character and of integrity. Well, as you know, here at Bellevue, we base everything on biblical truth and on God's Word. So we get it from the Bible. So we brought your Bibles. I'll have you open up to, to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. I'll have it on the, on the screen as well. Psalm uh, chapter 15. We've kind of got a little habit here. Uh, we've gotten good at reading together, so tonight, if we don't mind, let's read this off the screen together. We'll start, this is Psalm 15, verse 1, let's read together. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. So a person, a man, a woman, a boy, a girl of integrity and of character will never be shaken. Love this. God delights in those with character. God delights in those who live with integrity and who live with character. I'll give you a short one. Deuteronomy 6.18, you shall do what is right and good in sight of the Lord. Isn't that good? That's what he wants from us. Let's do one more. How about this? Will you read with me? Psalm 1.1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day, day and night. Isn't that good? God tells us who's blessed and who he delights in. Love it. 
Well, so tonight, we're going to kind of hit character in three areas. We're talking about defining identity, building integrity, and in teaching responsibility. And I'm super excited because tonight our first speaker is Michael Pritchard. Um, Michael's a friend of mine. We work close to each other. Uh, we're about 10 feet apart, Monday through Friday, Thursday, uh, up in the office there. Uh, Michael has been writing all of our stories of the Bible lessons. So the, the lessons that you've been have taught to you in life group and your kids are being taught and the ones you're talking with your kids about at night, Michael's written all those. So thankful to have Michael here tonight. Michael, would you mind join us? And he's going to share with us about identity and kind of walk us through it. Well, thank you all for letting me join you tonight. Again, like Tim said, I'm Michael Pritchard. Uh, I am our, uh, the church's former fourth and fifth grade pastor. So I worked with all of our preteens. Do, do we have any families with preteens right now in fourth and fifth grade? All right, y'all are my people. I love y'all the most, okay? But I'm, I love everybody else too. But let me, let me just get a, a small feel. Who in here, you have children younger than fourth and fifth grade? Where are y'all? Okay, there you go. Anybody middle school? Any middle schoolers? All right, and then high schoolers. All right, so we got a whole smattering of all the ages, right? Uh, parenting is so much fun, is it not? <laughs> Y'all feel like me half the time, right? I've got a 12-year-old and 11-year-old. I've got a brand new middle schooler, and my 11-year-old is in elementary school. Uh, he is on the autism spectrum, so we live the special needs life as well. Uh, so parenting is a challenge on the best days, and it's impossible on the worst days, right? And, and you just go, I've had those thoughts. Am I passing along truth to my children through the hard times, through the good times, you know, in the little moments and the big moments, am I doing that? So let's talk a little bit about character, and I'm talking about identity. And so let me tell you something I know about your identity, okay? I can tell this by just looking at you. You are a creation. You are. But not only that, you are a purposeful creation. But not only that... You are an incredible, purposeful creation. Now, how do I know that? Now, I know some of y'all are looking and you're like, yeah, I'm just that great, right? And I know some of y'all are thinking that, right? But how do we know this? Let me, let's, let's look at this right here. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, in that one passage, I know that you're a creation, that you are a purposeful creation, and that you're an incredible purposeful creation. And you know what? The same is true about all of your children. That's what this verse says, not only about you, but about them as well. But our children are surrounded by people and forces and organizations that are competing to form their identities, right? We know that our identities comes from Scripture, and this tells us who we are. But our children are surrounded by people and places that are telling them that they're an accident, that they have no worth, that they have no purpose, that they can't even trust their own biology. They're surrounded by all of these other forces 
that are telling them something the complete opposite of who their true identity is, right? And so the only way to develop a strong identity, a solid identity, is by developing a worldview. Now, I know several weeks ago, y'all talked about worldview, right? So I'm not going to dive into defining worldview and all that. Y'all are experts on that by now. But all I'm going to say is that a worldview uh, is the lens through which you view the world. The lens through which you view the world. That is a worldview. And here's the thing. Everybody's got one. There is no such thing as a person who is completely unbiased and how they view the world. We all have a specific lens that's based upon uh, where we grew up, uh, what our family was like, what our color of our skin is, if we grew up in the city uh, or the country, if we grew up in America or a different country. All of those things all come into how we view the world, right? But how is that worldview formed? A worldview is formed by what you listen to, read, and watch the most. And here's the thing. We listen to and read and watch the things and the people we value the most, whether we say it or not, right? I'm thinking back to yesterday, and one of my kids was taking a shower, and I was waiting for him. And you know how I spend most of that time? Flipping through Facebook reels. Okay, I'm just being honest. I might be the only parent that ever gets sucked into Facebook reels, right? But I was like, it's a few minutes of quiet. So what do I do? I flip, right? All those people are influencing me because that's how we are influenced, Right, so here's the thing: we're we're all my preteens and uh, middle school and high school parents. Where are you? Okay, raise your hands. Okay, so the average amount of time that a student spends on TikTok one and a half hours per day, and they pick up and they go into TikTok at least eight times a day. Now, that's just TikTok. That doesn't include Instagram or any of the other new social media apps that keep showing up all those different times, right? That's just one of them. And it's the most popular one right now. It's the one that has experienced the most growth, right? So our, our students, our kids, they are, they are being influenced at least one and a half hours per day by 30-second videos, 10-second videos, that they just flip through over and over and over. And I don't know if you've ever gotten on your student's phone and looked through those videos. There are no filters. People talk about whatever they want to talk about, and you just see it when you swipe, right? And then you're letting that be ingested into your spirit. I, a few weeks back, I was talking with some students at Catalyst, and I told them that I had to remove a social media app because I realized as I was watching those different videos that, again, there's no filtering, right? And there would be all sorts of language that would come through. And while it did not influence what came out of my mouth, it influenced what was inside of my head because that's what, where we put our attention, that's what it does first. It doesn't affect our outward actions. It affects our inward mind. 
And so I realized that and I had to do away with it, right? And so that's where the majority of our students are spending so much time. They're getting that in. Now let's compare that to how much time students and kids spend time in God's Word. Now this was a study done by Barna, and they found that 3% of teenagers read the Bible every day. 3%. Let's just look at that in this room. That means the vast majority of our kids are not spending time in God's Word on a daily basis. So just taking this example of TikTok versus uh, getting and spending time in God's Word, where do you think our students are developing their worldview? It's not God's Word. Now, and I realize that y'all are like, hey, we're here. Our students are probably at shift. They're probably at the mix. They're probably at exit 15. And they're probably at M&M and uh, the children's programming, right? All of your kids are there, right? And you're like, yes, our kids are getting, they're being fed spiritually. That's a drop in the bucket. What they're hearing from Corey and Steve and the fourth and fifth grade team and the children's team is nothing compared to the amount of influence they're getting during the week from non-Christian-oriented sources. Who do you think is going to win out? Where do you think their worldview is going to be? And then that's going to shape their identity. It's a little depressing when you think about it, right? Because most of our kids have phones, if they're of a certain age. Many parents don't don't know how to limit certain access because it's hard to figure that out, and our kids work their ways around it, and it requires constant attention. And we got to work, we got to do all these things, and we just go, ah, they're going to be okay. Just remember that constant influx is influencing them and their worldview, which then will influence who they believe they are, their identity. So, what can you do? What can we do? I'm a parent too. What can we do as parents to help shape our students, our kids' worldview, which will then give them a solid biblical identity? All right, I got three things uh, that I think we can do. First, Start with yourself. Now, no parent likes to hear this, right? Life is already stressful. Life is already hard. But if you want your children to have a biblical worldview that leads to a biblical identity, well, you got to look at what are you getting your worldview from? Do your children see you reading God's word each and every day? Do your children see you praying outside of mealtimes every day? Or do they not? Here's the thing about once kids reach middle school and high school, they have fakeness detectors, right? So if you go to your kid and say, hey, we, you need to read the Bible more, and they're going to look at you and be like, I've never seen you read the Bible, Right? Like they can feel it and they're going to be like, I ain't doing that. You don't think it's important, so why should I do it? Just last night, in my, <laughs> we were finishing up dinner and my oldest son was talking to me and he was saying something. 
I wasn't necessarily engaged with what he was saying. And he was like, you didn't hear a word I just said. I went, I listed all three things he said. Great parenting moment right there. I said, wow, all right, I got three things that he just said. He's like, yeah, but you were not mentally engaged with what I was saying. (laughs) But that's how perceptive our kids are. And I had to look at him and went, you are so right. I was not, Zachary, I'm sorry, right? Because he totally perceived, dad, you don't think what I'm saying is important and I can see it, right? So if we go home to our kids and say, hey, the Bible is where we get our worldview. The Bible is important, but you never open it up. You know what your kid's going to say? The Bible's not important, so they're not going to open it up. I get it. It's hard to do that. It's hard when your children are young. It's hard when your children are preteens. It's hard when your children are middle schoolers. And it's hard when your children are high schoolers. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's going to be hard the whole way through. You're going to have to carve out that time. You just have to. If you want your children to read the Bible, you got to read it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They will not read it if you don't open it up. And right now, as we're heading into Easter, now is a perfect time to pick it up and show them that it's important. Okay, so first you got to start with yourself. If you're fake, your kids will see it. And they will follow your actions, not your words. Second of all, ask easy questions. Ask easy questions. One of the things that I love that our church is doing this year is stories of the Bible, where from the youngest kids to the 100-year adults, they're learning the same thing every week, right? I love that because what that gives you as a parent is an easy opportunity to have some conversations at home. You can normalize spiritual conversations. You just have to start. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm a minister, and you know what my child does sometimes when I ask spiritual questions? (laughs) Dad! You know, and I worked here for crying out loud, right? And, uh, but kids do it. They do it. So you know what you do when they do that? You just ask the question again. And then you just look at them. And you know what? The first time it happens, you might get nothing. And you might have to answer the question yourself, right? That's okay. Because the next time, you're going to break down that barrier a little bit more. Oh, mom's serious about this. Okay, well, maybe I'll just say something so she'll get off my back, right? Then the third time, maybe the conversation will be a little bit fuller. Then the fourth time, the fifth time. And here's the thing. For you student ministry or for fourth grade and up families, the uh, the next-gen ministry is sending out questions every week to your phone. All you got to do is sign up for it, and they'll send you three questions that you can do either on the way home or at lunch, and I've done those with my kids um, uh, on many of the weeks, and it's just an easy way to do it. It's an easy win for you to normalize spiritual conversations, all right? So first, start with yourself. Second, ask easy questions, and then third, offer positive reinforcement, Now, I'm an old-school kind of dad. You do the right thing, great job, kid, you should. You do the wrong thing, I'm going to, you know, you're going to have, we're going to have some issues, right? 
Now, I've learned, being a dad of an autistic son, that positive reinforcement is going to get me so much further uh, than not. And I have seen the power of positive reinforcement. So you want your, your family to read Scripture, right? First, you start reading Scripture first before you say anything to your kids. Let them see you reading Scripture for a period of time. Then go, hey, this week, let's read these chapters. Pick a small book of the Bible. Don't go pick Genesis, okay? It's got like 47 chapters, all right? Pick, pick one of Paul's letters in the New Testament with just a few chapters and say, hey, this week, we're going to read Philippians, okay? We've got seven days. Each of us are going to read each of the chapters. And if you've got younger kids, you can adapt, right? Uh, and when everybody's done, pick your kid's favorite restaurant and say, we're going out to here. Or go get ice cream. It's something that your kids love, right? And put that at the end. And say, when we're all done, including me, we're going to go and we're going to celebrate that we've read Scripture together. Now, how many of your kids would be more likely to do that if you put something at the end that they would enjoy instead of going, you better read this or else, right? They will. You know, my dad has offered my son 100 bucks to read through the New Testament. I'm not taking him up on that. I don't think my son is ready for that yet, but I think he will be soon. You know what my son's going to end up doing? Shoot, yeah, I'll go read through that, right? It's 100 bucks. Think about what motivates your kids. And every kid is different. What is a motivating factor for them? Then put that out there. And then every time, you just make the goal a little bit further. Make it a little bit further. And when they struggle to do it, offer help on how to do it. If they struggle getting up a little bit earlier, help them figure that out. Come alongside to help them. So here's the thing. We all want our children to have solid biblical identities. Well, that means they got to be in God's Word. If they're spending all their time with their friends and on their phone, I guarantee you their identity will not reflect Scripture. It won't. It will only reflect Scripture if they spend time in God's Word. So I encourage you all to do those three things. It will be a challenge. It will challenge you. But... Don't we want them to believe this? Don't we want them to live this truth out? Yeah. So let's all try and do that for the sake of our kids. Well, Michael, thanks so much. And uh, just the reality stark reality of who's influencing our kids if we're not careful. We have a chance, remember, remember the greenhouse effect, we have them for 18 years to be that influence, biblical influence in their lives. So, Michael, thank you. Uh, job well done. So, so there's three areas we're hitting in our character, identity, integrity, and responsibility. I'm going to fast forward just a tad bit on responsibility, introduce you all to someone. I'm going to have my friend Tom Tunnell come up. Uh, Tom and I are good buddies, and uh, he does a lot of speaking here at our church on finances and on how to do financial things well. And so tonight, one of the things we're talking about is uh, teaching responsibility. And so I'm going to ask him to do just that. We're going to talk about 
area of money. I'm going to hook you up right oh, here, no. Tom, if you don't mind. That's right. We'll put that right yeah. on your lapel there, sir. So Tim, Tim didn't give me uh, um, an exact uh, agenda or topic, you know, per se. So I got free will here, right? <laughs> but here, let me let me make sure. Let me level set. We're talking about kids, right? We're talking about raising kids godly, and we want to talk about responsibility. And um, one of the ways that we can be responsible is with our money, right? And how do we? I think the question might be, how do we teach our children about money? So. Two things came to mind when I was kind of thinking through what, what, I, might, uh, what I might share with you guys. One is um, that I think today I see a lot of parents struggling with their kids and how their kids maybe are not uh, learning to work. They're not learning the responsibility of work. You know, it's biblical to work. We're called to work. Proverbs talks a lot about, you know, working. And if we don't work, uh, we're not to eat. <laughs> okay, so we work to eat, yeah. By the way, if you have not, one, one other area to read to your kids is in Proverbs. Okay, a lot of wisdom in Proverbs, especially about money. So I would encourage you to, it's not cruel to have chores for your kids and to have them make them do the chores. Look, I know I got, I got somebody in here saying, hey, wait, <laughs> who is this guy, you know? It's not, it's not cruel and unusual punishment to have our kids do chores and, uh, to, and to make them do that. It's also, I, I agree with the speaker before me, um, it's also uh, can be very rewarding to them to use the carrot. You've heard of the carrot and the stick. You know, the stick is the punishment and the carrot is the prize. It, uh, it can be rewarding to set up carrots for them if they do those chores over a period of time. I'll give you one example. When I was younger, my, we grew up in kind of a more rural area, and I had a BB gun, and that was okay, and, but I wanted a pellet gun, okay? And I won't tell you why. It may offend some of you, but it, it's a little more powerful, you know? Yeah. Okay, so I wanted a pellet gun, and my mom said, um, you know, instead of just giving him a pellet gun, right, we're going to set up a board, um, kind of like a, it used to be cardboard, you know, like a, uh, I don't know what they call it, but cardboard, white, white board. And so she set up a board, and she put lines on it, and I had chores, and there used to be these stars you could lick and put on there. Do we still have those? I don't know if we do or not. You don't have to lick them anymore. Yeah, that, that spreads too much COVID and everything else, right? So she, every time I would do those chores, I'd get the stars, and until I got all my stars, um, I didn't get the pellet gun, right? And so that's the kind of reward that I'm talking about is having, that, that teaches a couple of things teaches work. <clears throat> it teaches that you get something for your work, right? And it teaches delayed gratification. This is something we have absolutely lost today in our society. It's the gimme and gimme now generation. We got to keep our kids from, from that at all costs, okay? Teach them delayed gratification. So that's just one simple way you can do that. Also, you, uh, I would encourage you to give them some type of allowance for their, um, their efforts. And here's why. I, I strongly believe in the tithe. Okay, it's an old term. Malachi 3.10, it's uh, test me in this, see if I don't 
open up the floodgates of heaven, all right, and so that it's just pouring over. We want to tithe. That is the Old Testament principle. And then, if you, as you'll recall, in the New Testament, um, it, the principle was more of, yes, that's still in effect, but be a cheerful giver. Don't let 10% be a, be a legalistic point in the sand or line in the sand. Be a cheerful giver. So how do we, how do we convey that to our kids? Well, first of all, we have to model it. So let them see you give. You're like, okay. So if you sit down and you do your tithe online to your church, and you, or you maybe you still write a check or whatever you do, let them see you do that and, and give. And then furthermore, um, if God calls on you to give while you're out and about, uh, let's, you know, maybe the waitress that you notice is big, pregnant or something, and you know she's not working for fun, right? And God says, give her some, give her extra. You know, put, slip a $100 bill in her, in her uh, hand or whatever. Let, tell them, tell them why you're doing that. Right? Kids learn a lot more by example than they do by you just saying, hey, do this because I said so. Right? Is this resonating? Anything? Okay. All right. So any questions so far? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> and I didn't do that, mm-hmm. but I, I, I was pained in my spirit that I didn't do that because I felt, apart from helping that man, that would have been an opportunity uh, for them to see, you know, what Christianity is about, mm-hmm. but I didn't do that. So, mm-hmm. how do you handle situations like that? So you got a lot wrapped up in that question. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm super glad you asked that because one of the lessons I think you can teach them in that scenario is discernment. You, we must pray and make sure that God is leading us to give. We know that there are scams that take place in our world and, um, and a lot of them on the, on the corners. I work downtown. I see the same people every day and I know who they are. So what I, would do, what I would do is tell them, teach them discernment that we have to pray and ask, is that where God would have us give right now? And is there maybe a practical way to give? I know there are some folks at the church, I think Tim has done this before, it's very, very thoughtful, that carry bags, uh, lunch bags, those little brown lunch bags, you know, I used to use them, and, um, and, and put like crack, uh, peanut butter crackers and uh, some other things, and then perhaps a card of, of salvation, a tract. And then you can give, give that to them. And so your child is, is learning giving, but perhaps giving in a way that really helps 
Uh, does that make sense? There's no perfect answer there. And I'll tell you, I, I, I know, I, I make it a practice not to hand cash uh, in general, okay? I don't know what you, how you feel about that. But I, I was in Kroger um, last week, and I pulled up in the parking lot, and I knew a, a, a daughter and a, and a man, a, her dad, came through and asked if I could help them. And, I mean, listen, that is not, usually I would say not today, you know, or whatever, but just something said, you know, to give. And so I hope my wallet, I had like $18. I mean, I just, not, I didn't have any cash on me. So I said, you have everything I have. And I said, I have $18. And, and my wife, um, and I'm not telling on her, she was like, okay, Tom, you know. And the daughter's helping him, and they're going to go, you know, buy, do something inappropriate or what, you know, buy something inappropriate or whatever. I said, you don't know that. And I said, we turned around, and they were walking towards McDonald's. And I thought, you know. I don't know. You, you never know. But let me ask you this, too. Who is the gift for? Is it, is it for them or is it your obedience? Is God, he's really asking for your obedience. Their response is not our responsibility. Okay? Great question. Thank you. All right. Yes, ma'am. Uh, as early as they, I mean, they start walking and they... Uh, you know, I don't. We we got grandkids, right? We got three three little grandkids, and they. My wife keeps them. They come through. There's a tornado in the house, you know, with their toys. We make them pick the toys up, and it's a pain. Listen, I mean, I'm constantly Hadley. You know, the middle one. We got the middle child syndrome, right? Hadley, pick up the toys. Hadley, pick up the toys. You know, and but yeah, start early and and build that in into them. I think you probably need to wait until they're maybe four-ish, uh, depends on the kid, before you start introducing maybe the money side of it and them to have money and understand what it means. And this leads me to my last point, okay? You've got to learn to say what? No. Do not give those kids everything they want. This is a bad precedent. We think as parents that we're doing a great job, you know, we're providing for them, we're working hard, but don't give them everything they want because they're going to grow up and think that that's the way, I got people that work for me that that's the way they think, right? You know, oh, they're going to give me everything I want. You know, I just got out of school, I don't make 60000 a year or whatever. Okay, you know, so, um, and I know all of it. You know, I'm going to teach Tom something. You know, he's only been in there 30 years, so... So don't give them everything. Does that make sense? It could be another way that you work it into having them work towards that something. I see it with the cell phones and other very expensive items. Make them work towards it. It's not cruel. Okay? Anything else? That's kind of what God had laid on my heart to share with you. Is that helpful at all? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry? Delayed gratification. Like, I know that's clear, but... Yeah. Okay, don't do that for it. Like, I'm trying to understand. How do you know the boundaries? When you're doing too much right there? Yeah, good, good question. So, delayed gratification is obviously waiting for something, and I would suggest building towards something. So, think um, about saving for a toy in a, in a child's mind, right? 
if they come to you and there's some kind of toy that they really want, instead of you having to say maybe no, what if you said, you know what? That's a great idea. Can we work towards that? You know, you have your allowance. We know we're going to tithe. So we're going to give you $10. You take a dollar to the church. That leaves you $9 every whatever the period is that you can save um, towards that toy. And there's so many lessons you can do in that because when they get it saved up, oftentimes it may not be the toy that they want anymore. And this is the point where you teach them that, wow, had you just gone out and bought that, you would not have your, I'm just going to throw out $100, but now you have $100 that you might be able to get something else, something that you really want. Does that make sense? You might, you might try, the older that they get, you might try one other thing, and that is have them make a list of things that they uh, want, a wish list, a dream list, it's okay, and then have them um, revisit that maybe monthly, and that will teach them the principle of uh, like impulsive buying, how dangerous that can be. Like, I want it now, but maybe a month later, they get, they relook at the list and they go, yeah, that's yesterday's news. And you're like, yeah, you didn't burn that money. That's God's resource. And you didn't use it on that. So now you've got it to do something else with. He's going to show you what he wants you to do with it. And so, again, one, one other principle that that would help you drive home is, let's face it, who owns, did you, were you born with anything? Okay, so who owns all of it? God does. We're stewards, right? We are just the manager of his great estate, the earth. And so teach, that. this is a way you can teach them that, okay? All right. What, you like that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, steward, yeah. Well, thank you guys for letting me speak for a little bit. I really, uh, I really appreciate it. You've got one of the best parents and dads right here. I know him firsthand, and uh, he's, he's a great guy. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Tom. Right, I'm pulling double duty, so I'm heading, heading back. We all heard from two of my favorite folks. Spend just a minute at your table and just discuss something that you learned from one of these two guys that you think, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that into practice right away. Couple minutes at your table, do some table talk if you would, and we'll start back up. Ready, set, go. All right, we'll pull it back together. We've got a few more blanks to fill in, so we'll keep rolling. So, uh, so earlier, uh, Michael talked about identity and then how important it is to know our identity, know who we are in Christ, and know our. We've got to speak more on identity out of the Bible than they're hearing from their social media platforms. Um, let's hit this one for a second. Let's talk about building integrity. When I mention the word integrity, talk to me for a second. What do you think of when you hear the word integrity? What is it? Okay, being honest. So integrity, being honest. All right, so a few things on integrity. Being honest, all right. What else do you think of when you hear the word integrity? What else comes to mind? Your character, okay, yep, yep, your character. Okay, trustworthy. Absolutely. It's good. Trustworthy. They're trustworthy. Obedient. Got it. Yep. Kind. Reliable. They do what they say. 
Reliable. Love it. Yep. Yes. Yes equals yes. Love that. Yep, thank you. Yep, that's right. Um, that's exactly right. So the Bible has given us some great verses on integrity and the importance of it. I just want to share one with you. Let's read it together. This is Philippians 4.8. Ready? Here we go. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, why is it important what we think about? Why is what we think about so important? It really does. It drives. It sure does. That's what we talked about a minute ago. We're talking about if all your influences is social media and streaming shows and it's not God's word, then you don't have a conflict. But how we think, all these things, think on these things that are, we could say here, are honest, are trustworthy, are obedient, kind, reliable. Um, yes is yes. Similar to what it's saying here. So the Bible says, hey, one thing we can do to help our kids, and we've already heard it from 200 people here tonight, is help build, the, build into them spiritual disciplines of reading God's Word, knowing God's Word, being obedient to it, praying. Um, now, the other aspect of integrity, we've heard it from both these guys, is the importance of modeling a behavior for our kids. Is there ever a time as parents where you're at a store or you're out somewhere where you have a chance, okay, to not show full integrity. Is that, does that happen ever? Would it happen at a store where you give someone a 20 and you think they, they think they've given you a 10 and they give you back um, more change than you're supposed to get back? And you, you're just all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I was supposed to get $6 back. I got $16 back. You got to Would that ever, is that possible to happen? With your kid, it's very possible, isn't it? Uh, these things are possible. Those are opportunities right there to show that you're a person of integrity. To say, you know what? You gave me back too much. This is your money back, right? We've got all opportunities. We call them capturing teachable moments. That's what I'll write down if you don't mind. Just capture teachable moments of integrity. When can you show, when can you model honesty and trustworthiness and obedience and reliability? Um, is there ever a chance where someone might, where you've, committed to do something and a better deal comes along or, or a, a conflict comes along and you have a chance to, to uh, tell a white lie, okay, to get out of that, right? But is a chance, there are chances to do that all the time for us? There's all the time, right, as adults. You can take the opportunity to be teach moment to tell your kids, you know what, um, you know, Dad, does it feel like going over there tonight? I'm worn out. I don't feel like driving an hour down to visitation, um, someone's funeral, but I'm going to because I told them I was coming. And I want to be a, I want to be, I want to keep my yes, my yes. And same with you, all opportunities, all the time for us to, to do what we say we would do and to prove to our kids that, they're, that they've got a reliable mom or a reliable dad. Um, I'm telling you, there are all kinds of opportunities to show your kids that you're living with integrity and how important integrity is to them um, in their walk with the Lord. Now, let me hit one, hit, let's hit this one uh, with, our, with the time we have remaining. So under responsibility, now, would you agree that responsibility is tied to character? Would you, would, you, would, you, would you want children to have great responsibility? Would you want that, the kids of responsibility? Would you agree also that you can teach responsibility while they're in 18 years or in your home? Would you, would you agree with that? 
that's teachable, that you can teach this? I would agree. Let's talk through three ways, and we will skip the money because Tom did this one. But let's see just three things. First one's work ethic. Why is teaching a good work ethic important? Why would you say it's important for you to teach your kids that? God expects it. You don't want them. You want them to launch out and do their, their thing, right? To flourish, exactly right. Yeah, and work's part of flourishing, right? And God, God created work. Work's part of flourish. Um, matter of fact, God created work. Genesis two fifteen. Let's read it together. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. God created us to work. We are to work to accomplish to work alongside Him to accomplish His purpose, take pleasure in Him. All these things. So God's designed for us to work. Another great one is Colossians three twenty three. Let's read it together. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men. Well, Tom talked about work a little bit, doing some chores, things like, let me go from a different angle if I could. Um, here's a way to teach work to your kids. One would be, talk about work. Talk about what work is. Talk about why God created work and how good work is. Talk about how you chose your line of work. Each of you chose, you chose a line of work. And talk about how you chose that and how that your work brings you satisfaction, how it pleases God, um, why your mom and dad may both work at that situation. Um, so talk about work. Talk about with your kids. Number one, let them experience your work. Now, how many of you have a job where you could pretty easily take your child to work for a couple hours and show them what you do? Um, anybody have jobs that could do that? How many of you would it be a challenge to do that? Maybe you work in a hospital, you work in a place would be a challenge to do so. Um, I understand that, and no doubt about it. Um, so, so for those of you who it's easy access, where it's not a problem, maybe let them go in with you uh, to work. Let them see you, you know, send emails or be on the phone. Let them listen to you talk on the phone. Let them see you, you know, setting up a meeting, whatever. And let them see the satisfaction you get from helping people. You can tell them, here's why I work. I get to help people. I get to serve people, to do things that, that better um, God's creation, whatever it might be that you do. Um, if it's not possible because you work in a hospital or somewhere that it's not easy to go into, maybe on an off day, maybe your off day, you might get permission to take them in just to show them around on your off day. You say, hey, I just want you to see what mom does, what meet some of mom's coworkers, see what dad does. Just let them see. They probably have questions about where, where do you go? What's work look like for you? So maybe take them in on your off day. Let them see and experience work from, from your perspective. It's possible that they might garner an appreciation and a value for work and a value by seeing what you do. Um, and then third, invite your kids into the household work. And we talked about this just for a minute. Um, hey, it is work to keep up a house, isn't it? It is work to keep up a yard. It's work to keep the garage clean. It's work to keep all the toys picked up, to do laundry, to meal plan, to, to prepare the meal and clean up after the meal. I mean, our kids, they eat, they're done in about five minutes. It takes Susan an hour to cook. It takes, they eat in five minutes. They want to take off. It takes us 30 minutes to clean. It's hilarious. Um, but your, work, your house is a great place to teach them to work. Uh, what are some inside work things that kids could do? Inside the house, what are some things that, that, that kids can help with? Just clean their room. Feeding the pets. Take out the trash. Folding clothes, putting clothes away. What's that? Exact dish help do the dishes. Clean the toilets and the bathroom. <laughs> That's punishment right there. I love it. That's right. All right. 
What about outside work? How can they help an out? What's outside work they can help with? Rake leaves, mow the lawn. Weeds and leaves, all right, weeds and leaves. Edging, blowing, all these type things. Um, so in our, in our growing up, our boys, we had something called Dirty 30. In Dirty 30 Minute, all five boys had to give me 30 minutes on a Saturday to do outside work. And um, I had them mowing the yard so young that neighbors got concerned. They're like, man, they're like, uh, sir, the, the mower thing is taller than they are. And I'm like, it's all right. They're doing 30 30. They'll get it. Um, but teach them how to work, the satisfaction work, to step back, look at how good the yard looks, the work they've done. So anyway, teach early into the work ethic, and it, it'll help them a lot, I promise. Okay, so uh, Tom talked about money. Let's kind of skip through the money piece. He spoke about that. Um, I want to hit up this one. Teamwork is a great way to teach responsibility. Um, and I've just watched it through all of my boys. Um, now let me ask you, how, how does team, and I'm talking about a team. It could be a sports team, a drama theater team, a band, something they do at school or through homeschooling. How does that build responsibility? Say, say it again. Who said something? Well, try to teach how to well work well with others. That's right. They'll be on a team with others. What else? That's right. That's right. People are depending upon you. You've got to show up. You've got to do your best because they're depending on you. And I've, we've got boys that have been athletes. Some have been in dramas, some theater, some have been in a band. And it's in all of those areas. You, you are, what you do is important and, and others are depending upon you um, in all those areas. Uh, Bellevue, we offer, we offer Bellevue sports here and the arts here. We, all, we offer singing lessons and all kinds of instrument lessons. So, um, and we got the, all kinds of theater. I mean, fourth, fifth grade plays coming up, Camp Outrageous, uh, all that type. You can do all those things here your kids can. Just know that teamwork helps teach responsibility. All right, let me shift gears and talk about this just for a second. This is in God's design. This is really hard, but in God's design, there's a way that character is established. And it's established often best through these four things. We don't want to hear that, but if I were to ask you, tell me some things in your life that have shaped you. I guarantee you, many of you would go to something that was on this list right here. Something that was hard, that was difficult, that was had, you had to overcome something in your life. Um, let me ask you, um, wh why are these four such good teachers? Shape you, mold, mold you, shape you. Can't get away from it. Yeah, they exactly right. They sure do. Why, why do you think God uses these in our lives to teach us character and to develop our character? We need Him. He is. We can't do it alone. We need Him, um, and He gets us to a point where we go. There is no other option but the Lord. Lord, if you don't get me out of this, if your hand doesn't reach down and pull me out of this adversity I'm dealing with, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he teaches us to depend on him. That's right. That's exactly right. That's what it does. That's what this does. Something's wrong on this earth. There is sin. Something's affected this earth, and it is not a good thing. Um, these make us more like him, and they'll make your kids more like him. But point it out. They're going through this. Make sure and point that out to them. Hey, hey, buddy. Um, 
And the reason why this is happening is it's going to make you more like the Lord. You have to pray more, depend on the Lord more to come through this. We can use that. 1 Peter 4.12 is great. James 1.2-4 through 4 is great. Um, now let, me just, let me finish with this piece right here. Um, what about, not if, but what about when my child blows it? Um, are your kids going to blow it in the air of character and integrity and, and responsibility? Absolutely, because we do still, right? Um, there is no doubt. Um, so what do we do when that happens? And I just want to tell you, I, I, so I've got five boys. I have three in college. And um, with my two oldest boys, they, they, they stepped aside and, and, and took some time to do some of their own things uh, that, that were discouraging to my wife and I. And I have, had, I have experienced and stood with them in some very difficult situations where they have stood before authorities, if you get what I'm saying, and to deal with some consequences of their behavior. And I've gone and stood with them and, um, and just stood beside them and prayed through it. So I know what it's like to have a child who blows it. Um, and I want to point to someone in the Bible who did. That was King David. Um, King David was a murderer, an adulterer. Uh, he had parenting issues. Yet he was called a man after God's own heart. And it was because he walked so closely with the Lord. And he was so passionate about his, his relationship with God. Matter of fact, when he messed up, this is what he said. Psalm 51, 1 and 4. Read it with me. Have mercy on me, O God. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So I just want to encourage you, when your child blows it and they will, lead them to repentance. Lead them to ask forgiveness. Probably the best verse, you can teach them to memorize this, is 1 John 1, 9. If we conf confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Remind them, they got a God they can trust in. When they've blown it, tell them, hey, we understand. You can tell mom and dad, I blew it. You're going to, this is going to happen. And what, when this happens, what you do is you just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I knew I blew that. It was on me. And I'm going to confess that sin. Know that you'll forgive me. You'll be able to trust in that. And then you can live in that. And when you forgive them, you know, make sure that you, as we have to make sure, Susan and I do, that we don't hold it over their heads. So if we forgive them, they're forgiven. Okay, we've dealt with it. We've forgotten about it. Model that so they see that the Lord will do the same thing for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it is. It is. That's right. Mm -hmm. Then they don't learn, right? When it goes over and over. Yes, Miguel. Just focus on the problem and not on the person. There you go. Yep, that's right. Yep. The, the, the problem that you dealt with, not they're not, that's right, they're not uh, broken forever. Um, we're going to deal with this one thing that happened. That's it. Hey, there, there's more great teaching on this. I want to show you, um, if you go to bellevue.org report slash right now media, two weeks ago we watched a clip from the Art of Parenting. You can, everybody, this is all free. You can access this uh, from your home. There's a whole 26-minute session on forming character, and there's also one on understanding identity and nurturing identity. So if you like this idea of identity and want to work, go deeper in it or character will go deeper in it, there's some great, these are great videos you can watch from home tonight or whenever you'd like to watch those. Baby.org forward slash right now media. All right, we're about out of time. Um, any comments or questions? Anything before we head out? All right, let me show this to you. Uh, last couple things. Next week's our final week uh, in this series. And next week, having a plan for the tough years, okay? How many of you don't yet have middle schoolers? How many have younger than middle school? 
okay? How many of you, uh, and that's all you've got, right? I don't want to leave you in a bad mood, but I will tell you, just in my experience, this is common, okay? The experience I've had working with uh, families at Bellevue for the last 20 years, this is common. Um, but thankfully, God's given your kids to you. So next we're going to talk about what do we do when these, do, when these years show up, and they're going to. So please come back next week. I uh, would love to see you then. There are a couple, couple, a couple books that, that, that I love um, on just general parenting. This has become, begun to be a favorite for a lot of people. Paul David Tripp, um, 14 Gospel Principles Regarding Parenting. Um, if you liked what Tom talked about regarding money, this is a fantastic book. Mine's all marked up um, from Dave Ramsey and his daughter. Just some very practical things about money, and it's, it's a great book as well. And then um, going back to shepherding the child's heart, so much of what we're trying to do as a parent is shaping their hearts. And that's my favorite book on how to shape a child's heart is that one by Ted Tripp. All right, well, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to pray us out. God bless you. Father God, thank you so much for each parent's here. Go with us tonight. Uh, get us home safely. Give us sweet sleep as we rest. And God, I pray that you, Lord, would go before them in all their parenting efforts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you all. Have a great night.